The boys once again have jumped into the thick of a complicated mystery. Samuel Blackstone and his brother Rule Rand live on adjacent properties, and it appears that one of them is out to hurt the other because they are both attacked. Frank and Joe soon learn that treasure is rumored to be hidden between the two properties, and as they investigate they learn that others are involved in the apparent plot between the two brothers. Spooky mansions, secret passageways and rooms, mysterious characters, and a monster provide an enjoyable atmosphere to this Hardy Boys mystery. Yes, sir. Zippity-doo-dah. Zippity-yay. I, 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 I'm imagining this so much better now. This is, uh... <laughs> like, well, here's the deal. Either it's a real knife fight, in which case... guys, I want to go through the funhouse. <laughs> either it's a real fun house, or it, like either it's a real knife fight, in which case I don't want to go in there, or it's all part of the fun house. These in boys which are hogging up the knife room. <laughs> it's 2018, and everyone gets a podcast. Mine is the Hardy Boys Drink Book. Each week, I sit down with creative and hilarious people to talk about a book in the Hardy Boys Mystery Series. Then we have one of our favorite local bartenders mix us up a custom cocktail to sip while we read. Today, I'm joined by paleontologist Patrick Sullivan. And for drinks, we're going to the Lowry Beer Garden to sit around with some of our past hosts and talk about our favorite memories from the last year of the podcast. Travel down to the Deep South, get involved in a land dispute, and assume that what is clearly a man in a rubber costume is an underwater sea monster in The Hardy Boys Drink Book number 14, The Hidden Harbor Mystery, featuring Patrick Sullivan. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. I am here with my good friend Patrick Sullivan, who is here to talk to me about the 14th book in the Hardy Boys Mystery series, The Hidden Harbor Mystery. That's right. Thank you for being on the show, Patrick. Thank you very much for having me. It's it's great to be here. It's I've never uh, never done a podcast before, and I I couldn't really decide how to dress. So. Oh yeah, it's not really important. I know. I figured that for the medium. Through, so yeah, I'm... but you're like, do I want to look cool? Do I not yeah. want to look like I'm trying too hard? You look good. Oh, thanks. The Hardy Boys mystery series was originally written in the 1920s by Franklin W. Dixon, uh, more famously the inventor of the tennis shoe and subsequently tennis. Um, In the 50s and 60s, they were rewritten to trim about 100 pages from each book, make them more PC. um, And it's hard to believe from some of the content in this book that this is the PC version of the story. Tough read. Yeah, as two strikingly (laughs) white guys. Strikingly. um, Yeah, the... uh, there were, there's going to be some difficult moments for us in this book that takes place in 60s Georgia. Um, yeah. <laughs> Great choice for us. Yeah. Yeah. We really called it. All right. Well, let's get into this. It starts, let's see. Oh, yeah. That's, that's, it starts with uh, Laura and Fenton taking off. Yeah. So they're about to leave on a cruise. Well, I thought they already did leave on the cruise at the very start. Oh, that's right. They they're had saying just, goodbye. Mm-hmm. The boys had just said goodbye to their parents, and some dude pushes past them on the gangplank. Right. Like, uh, is this the sailor? No, I think it's the it's the guy. No, who Samuel did... Blackstone. That's right. No, no. Who is it? The no, Bartworth. It's, it's yeah. It's Bartworth. The right. the guy who um, there was a guy on the ship who wanted to hire Fenton for a mystery, and he's you know like upset that he didn't get to harass the detective right. right before he left for a cruise with his wife. Now, was he hoping to get, like, get on the cruise ship with his wife? Like, I don't know. Him? Like, was he... He's like, I know. I'll just get on the cruise ship, and, like, maybe we can talk about this during the cruise. Right. And they're like, but you have a, you're the editor of a newspaper. You should probably be around. <laughs> in yeah. Georgia, actually. So, yeah, it turns out he's the editor of a newspaper in Georgia. He flew all the way up to New York State to find Fenton Hardy to get him to help him with a libel suit. Right. 
This is this seems like a first for the Hardy Boys mystery. This is getting in uh, lawyer territory. Yeah, libel. They uh, they don't even really describe what libel is. They assume that the kids understand. Yeah, what, that like, like if you write something about somebody child. that's not true, then they get to sue you or threaten to sue you. I mean, kids that read these books have like their no- pool of knowledge is limited to like quicksand, quicksand, you know, yeah. alligators, alligators, trouble. Like who know, who reads about libel as a? I just think that Franklin W. Dixon had just been sued for libel. <laughs> And he was, it was on his mind a lot. Or and one he, of his many ghostwriters. Yeah. Well, <laughs> let's not, you know, tell the kids about Santa. Yeah. Um, they the, don't know. Uh, yeah, they don't know. No, they know. If they don't, <laughs> they do know. they know? I don't, do you guys know? Um, <laughs> they go to Charlie's Clam House and they're like, I hear the food's good here. And they've grown up in this town their whole life. I don't know how big Bayport is still. It's that they see restaurants. They're like, I've never been in that restaurant. I've, I know, I know that um, you can't draw a map of Bayport. However, I like to imagine it um, as, like, a really small town. Mm-hmm. Just, like, a really small... Like, Bayport, I mean, it just sounds really small. But I think that it just changes all the time. Oh, yeah. So, that's good. I think it's one of those cruise towns that just, like, it's new shops popping up all the time. It explains it if, you know, someone left from a cruise ship. From yep. It. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. They, they are... They seem to be situated around a large dock area. Right. Oh, he's worried that this this newspaper editor Bartworth is worried that if uh, this guy Blackstone is suing him wins, then the uh, he's the owner, publisher, and editor of the Larchmont Record, and he's afraid that the things will go out of business if Blackstone wins, which is basically like the um, I was thinking about Peter Thiel suing Gawker <laughs> and like just taking Gawker completely out of business. But this is so... I mean, like, small-town newspapers are dying. Yeah, I'm but sorry, this scenario... Like, not in the 50s. And this scenario is so... The fact that... Well, first of all, he, like, gives a little history lesson, lesson mm-hmm. of, of uh, Larchmont, Georgia. And he mentions that he put the... He doesn't know how the article that Blackstone is suing him over ended up in his newspaper, but he's still kind of standing by it. He's like, the Blackstone... Well, the whole deal is that the he's accusing the, this guy, Bla, uh, Samuel Blackstone, of... Basically, getting his fortune from illegally smuggled goods, or him or his... Like, four generations yeah, ago. Yeah, four generations ago. Which, like, let him... Give him a break. Like, that's cool. <laughs> that's cool. Like, it's not like he's doing it anymore. Like, this is obviously... My great-great-grandfather was a pirate. Yeah. I mean, like, it's better than being, honestly, like, a slave owner, you know? Right, like, which, it's which clear many that... of them probably are in this... Well, we'll, we'll get into that okay. later, because yeah. it's very clear that that's the case um, for yeah. the old family of Clement Blackstone. But yeah, so he draws out this property for the boys, and he shows that there's like there's this whole property dispute that's been going on between the Rands and the Blackstones, who are two sides of the same family, because there's a pond, and the property line or whatever is supposed to be by this great oak tree, but there's a giant oak tree on either side of the pond, so they've been fighting over the pond for years, and they've pretty much given it up, but now they're suddenly fighting again. Right. But of course, because of course in the as we all know, in the early 1800s, they didn't have maps on which to right. draw. They couldn't. So yeah. they just said that big oak tree, right? Or that actually uh, that very temporary leaf that is on the ground that I saw yesterday. There's a huge project in Greece, uh, I know, right, right now, and it has been going on for the last like decade or so, where they have been going out with like formal survey and legal teams to dispute proper to handle property disputes because they are. Uh, Written in ways that are like, from the olive groves to the meadow belongs to this person. And they're like, well, there's no olive groves anymore, and that's now an like a, a highway. Yeah. So who owns this stuff? That'd be a fun job. It's like like a 
like a mystery hunter except or treasure hunter, but yeah. you don't get to keep the treasure. You just tell, no, tell you just them tell people, and then people are one family's furious with you. Yeah, well, spoilers. Spoilers, yeah. <laughs> um, and so he says that he's like, I didn't. He's like, I didn't print the thing that they were got their fortune from piracy because I didn't couldn't prove it, but somebody put it in the paper. And I'm like, you're the editor, though, so it right. is your job. Right. To- well, the, and the Hardy, the Hardys say that too. They're like, but aren't you the editor, Mister? And he's like, well, yeah, <laughs> but now I have to deal with it, and I don't want to apologize for some reason, because even though I have nothing to do with this whole dispute, just apologize and issue a retraction, right. and like, it's like that's that's what Fenn would have told him to do. Just yeah. Like, been like, I don't know, man. I'm about to leave for a trip with my right. wife. <laughs> I'm going to go. I'm just going to say apologize or pay the fine or whatever. It sounds like you're guilty. Yeah. Your then... newspaper did publish something that you couldn't prove about this rich guy. Yeah. It's it's a completely and that never silly premise. It's a no silly premise. No newspaper ever publishes things they can't prove about rich people. Right. It doesn't happen. Well, yeah. The thing is, it's like usually these mysteries start with a crime, like something that you really want to investigate. You're like, yeah, we got to get those guys. This is like... I, I was the boys just wanted to take a trip to Georgia until they introduced the the scary uh, the scary fisherman. Of course, I was really not in. Not oh yeah, at all. Which was the next page? Yeah, it is the next page, right? <laughs> One of the things they say is like, "Oh, sorry, we can't help you with this mystery. We are supposed to go camping with." And I was like, "With your good friend Chet," mm-hmm. and they're like, "But whatever, he'll understand." Yeah, but this is his like. I know previously Chet has been dragged along, but this time he really wanted to go on a vacation with him. He did. Tell. The whole uh, time he's in vacation mode. But every time he does that, horrible things happen yeah. to him. He and he is totally in vacation mode this whole the time. He whole is book. not in mystery. I, I, I had a tally mode. for how many meals he makes for them. Uh, it's yeah, a lot. it's a lot. It's a really lot. We'll and get like there. they they go off to go like we're gonna go break into this mansion. And he's like, I'm going to go fishing. Yep. He never gets involved with what they're doing, and it's amazing. <laughs> Finally, he stands up for himself in a way that's very uh, domestic. You know, yeah. he like has dinner ready for when they come home, and like. <laughs> They're like, Chet, you made too many burgers. And he's like, sorry, fellas, I already ate five. And they're like, oh, Chet. <laughs> you have a problem. You have a problem. And, and no, they don't appreciate it, but we'll get to that. Yeah, the boys um, go have a rest- go to a restaurant to talk about whether they should take this case. And they talk really loudly about it. And it's clear that someone is listening. because. And then the guy who's overhearing them and clearly eavesdropping then turns around and is like, can I have that ketchup? Yeah. Which I was thinking he's about He's rude, that. like on purpose. He's not even trying to be sneaky. sneaky. He like reaches his huge arm across their table and is like... Grabs their grabs ketchup. Their... And I just yeah. thought, how long did he sit there being like, God, I do really want that ketchup though, but it's on their <laughs> table and I don't see any other ketchup. And they're talking or... about something that I was asked to spy on them about. Oh, I'm just going to grab it. I'm just yeah. going to grab the ketchup. Uh, he was described as powerfully built. Uh, I wrote, large voice. man wants ketchup. Yeah. And that's the end of chapter one. No, oh, on his no, way out, he, something happens. That's right. No, on the, that's not the end of chapter one. They're leaving the restaurant, and down an alleyway, they hear, hey, help, I'm being beat up, ow. And they're like, let's go help. And they run into the alleyway, and somebody clocks them both on the yeah. back of the head. I wrote that as the beginning of chapter two, but it is the end yeah. of chapter one. They both get KO'd. And, and they then they wake up in just a, a warehouse. I wrote brain damage certain because they woke up definitely a lot. A lot of time has passed. Yeah. And it's, um, the editor, this wasn't a lot of time, not a lot of time has passed since he said goodbye to them. You don't, you think he would like check up on them? I don't know. Yeah. It, it did seem like all this happened really fast. If these boys died, no one would know for a year. Yeah. You know? Well, Fenton would find out. Oh yeah. Maybe. There'd be. I don't know. He's been taking a lot of vacations. A lot of vacations. Okay. Yeah. He said that, they, and then they're like, after they wake up, after just being un- knocked unconscious and just transported to a oh, warehouse. Wait, wait, before, before, yeah. <laughs> My favorite quote of this entire book was, yeah, it was like page five. It said, it didn't leave a lump. Those fellas are experts. 
as if like hitting someone on the head without making an enormous welt makes them experts. Like the art of knocking someone unconscious with a blow to the head that doesn't it's... leave a giant comic like comical welt. <laughs> yeah, like, like huge makes them see. realize that like these are like these are professional criminals. Well, I think because the... they've been knocked out so many times that they know like <laughs> this <laughs> like, one's only like an inch tall. <laughs> one time, a real like amateur crook hit me with a brick, and that left a huge <laughs> gash and like. We, then well, we amateur, swimming. Yeah. Um, oh my god! So, uh, Mr. Worth, the next day, they're like, "We'll take the case because these things are probably related." Yeah. And he's like, "Cool, I'm flying back tomorrow." And they send a, a letter to Fenton in Jamaica to tell him that they're going to Georgia. Right. And then they get Chet to go along. They're well, like, "Hey, we can't go camping. We're gonna go to Georgia." And he's like, "Well." I've never been to Georgia. I could lie on the beach and leave you two to your narrow escapes. And I wrote idiot because I'm like, dude, you're going to get roped into all of this. But he does a great job. He does a great job staying away from the trouble. Mm-hmm. You know, the the burly man also, I wrote, he follows them home. Apparently Aunt Gertrude saw this burly guy. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's just kind of keeping tabs on them. Why did they... they knock him out, though, and put him in a warehouse and then follow them around? Yeah. You think, hmm, maybe I have no I have no explanation for that. Because, yeah. Yeah, because he's... They knock him out. Did they? They didn't tie him up. They just like knocked, no. They knocked. Left they him just there, knocked right? him out and left him in a warehouse. It's so like they a said, warning. "Help! Help!" And then they come and investigate. They knock him out. They're like, okay, that's weird. They go home and they follow them anyway. That is really weird. I kind of feel like maybe it was unrelated. Like it was. Like it was two a separate. Others. It was like a separate mystery reaching out, and they don't realize it. So yeah. it, like, it like draws them in this one into could, this one. Totally Where, possible. It was two other crooks who were like knocked them out, and then we're like, oh. Crap, these are the Hardy Boys. Oh, shit, yeah. Uh, so maybe we should just leave them in a warehouse and just skedaddle. What if they wake up? Just go, go, go fast. Yeah. Because, yeah, they, they don't tell Aunt Gertrude, like, this guy, you know, tried to kill us, but don't worry about him following us home and knowing where you live. Yeah. So they they, they go... They, they go get a they plane, do the thing right? where they, like, roundabout? They, like, they go north and then south, something like that? They, they try to trick their... Pursuers. Oh, yeah, because they're going to take their, their convertible on the road. Yeah, so they're going to take their, like, convertible. They go north, like, two miles, and yeah. then they turn around. Like, that'll, and that'll like... fool the people following us closely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, they turned around. But it worked. It did work. Um, unfortunately, yeah. this is the first time I feel like the Hardy Boys have uh, unintentionally caused complete, people completely unrelated to the mystery to get, like, really hurt. So... <laughs> They drive south after they drove north, and they see that like a yellow convertible had been deliberately run off the road. And you don't you don't ever hear if the people that were driving it were alive. Like presumably, <laughs> there's like three dead teenagers because like the Hardy boy, you know, these boys they tried to lose they the tried to lose them, and they were just like, oh no, that could have been us. And they keep driving. They like don't go to see, you know. Yeah, was, they don't talk to the cops and say yeah. like, no, they say nothing. No, that's uh, thing. It was like two boys in a yellow convertible that that probably got killed because of. Because and then of the they're like, boys. "Can our boys stop the sedan further along?" Asked the other trooper. Oh, yeah. uh, no, it turned off at the next exit. So, yeah, so they gave up. They gave up. <laughs> the cops do. <laughs> oh, yeah. So they drive down to Georgia. It takes several days. They Doesn't talk about how, like, on the last day of the of their journey, they. Yeah. So I, I think I missed that part. Yeah. So I that, I circled it because I was like, wait, 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 wait. It took them some Did days. They stop. He doesn't talk about that. Well, a hundred pages cut, folks. A hundred pages. <laughs> maybe um, it was a hundred pages of road trip. Like, oh yeah, maybe we, maybe we didn't lose anything. They go talk to Mr. Worth in in his offices in Georgia. Mm-hmm. He introduced them to Mr. Cutter, a yep. Yankee like yourselves. Mr. Cutter and his partner, Mr. Stewart, are in the antique business. They're down here looking for business opportunities. And antique stores in the Hardy Boys universe are always. A cover, right, for like a criminal the, like enterprise. The French antique store, right? The, the French yeah, the, antique store. Mystery was that? But. I have no idea. 
but um, the mystery it was of a cover caves maybe i don't know yeah yes. it's a really specific thing like uh you can kind of tell the author had like kind of something against certain things because they appear in a lot of yeah books. a lot of the so, adventures like, uh, I mean, but Lion, antique Lion stores antique maybe stores, he just yeah. got screwed over at some antique stores i don't know yeah yeah potentially yeah but they meet mr cutter and they don't they immediately think are suspicious of him. Yeah, I didn't want him to be the villain because they, for some reason, they had like a bad feeling about him, and I was like, well. Well, I think it's because he and his male partner own an antique store. Yeah. And they immediately were like, "That's weird." <laughs> but they do a really good married? job of like, of not suspecting him until the last page. That's true. They like kind of like blissfully ignore everything <laughs> that. What a weirdo! They don't even think about him. So. Um. Yeah. So what happens? They meet him though. Oh. They go out to the Blackstone estate to mm. spy on Mr. Blackstone. So our things get good. Yeah, so they trespass onto his property, climb up, up to his window, and look in the window to his living room, and see him and Rule Rand, his cousin, arguing. And Mr. Blackstone hits Rule Rand uh, over the head with a vase and knocks him out. And so they run around to the front door to, like, bang on the door and be like, whoa, what just happened in there? Which I think that was a weird choice. Right. Because uh, the first person that you, like, tell when you see a crime is not the criminal. It's the police. <laughs> it's the police. <laughs> you don't, like, tell the criminal, like, I saw you hurt somebody. Here we are, two defenseless boys at your doorstep at night trespassing with hounds in your backyard. No, you go to the police and you, you tell them what you saw. Just sneak away. It's crazy. But instead they run around and bang on the door. And the uh, and this word appears for the first time on page 20. Uh, their Negro servant... Yeah, which I'm gonna have, I'm gonna struggle with that all through the book because, like I wrote, uh, was that a PC term in 1962? Oh my God, yes, it was. Yeah. So like, this is the PC version of the book, but characters are frequently described. I'm just really glad you didn't get your hands on the like the 1912 copy. Yeah. Right. Well, I think yeah. Well, it was the 1930s, but still. Still. I can't imagine it would be any uh, any better. But anyway, the Negro servant opens the door and waves them in without a word. Um, like doesn't tell them, no, you can't come in, which would just be the easiest thing to do. When they come into the room and they see that Blackstone is just sitting there reading the newspaper and the vase that they just saw broke is still intact and it's sitting right there. Right. And I think that, and I've thought the boys have been hit on the head too many times. Yes. I, I did think that also because just the logic, like they don't believe their own eyes. Like it's really clear that they, they're not quite sure if they, what they saw was real. You think that being great investigators would mean they would like look for they like glanced for clues, but they didn't look for clues yeah. about what happened. Like there would be some really obvious things besides just like the, the existence of the vase and whether he's sitting down or not. That would like right. You'd <laughs> see like one. They'd see like one piece of like pottery or, yeah. or, or a like leaf where, or something on where, the floor. Like what happens to pottery when it breaks? But you don't want people to see it in within fifteen seconds. Like they yeah. could, they could like this logical conclusions. And when I when I um. I mean, I don't want to spoil too much, but when I, when, I read, when I read what, what, hap- what really happened right. in this scene, and I, I went back and read these pages again. Yeah. And it's, it's absurd. Like, there's like, they, they just swept the shirts under the carpet. Like, yeah, there's a that's big part. I mean, I don't want to give too much of the plan, but part of it is that they literally just like put the broken glass under the carpet. And like, yeah. the pretty boys you think didn't like step in and were like, right. oh, it's crunch, crunchy. Crunch. <laughs> as, the, as the porcelain shattered? But, like, don't no, mind of course, that. because like Blackstone was sitting down and. You know, there was there was a, there were the vase was back. It like, oh, we must have just gotten hit in the head too hard. It didn't happen. <laughs> I, I feel really bad for them. They don't trust their own eyeballs. Well, yeah, but they must something. Things have must have happened to them where they realize that they are not right. reliable witnesses. Oh, and it's a different servant, isn't it? 
It's, is uh, it a different servant? Yeah, a different servant lets them in. So they, that's part of it. They like the initial like older. Oh right, man, it is no longer there. It's like a different, person. a different guy. Yeah. yeah, but also another Negro servant. Yeah. Later, uh, they talk about how the Blackstone family is like a long and treasured family, and that like the this servant has worked for them. His, his ancestors have worked for them for generations after generations, and I, right. as as servants. And I was like, okay. He's like, they were a good noble family that clearly owned slaves. But I don't know. That's weird. They've got some strange loyalty to this Blackstone yeah, and family. This is like the 1950- yeah, 1950s. And the way they talk about like letting them go on vacation. Oh, yeah, Chicago, that's right. It's kind of weird. Like they need their permission to leave, obviously. And it's yes. Kinda, it's yeah. very clear that they need their permission to leave the property. Uh, yeah, pretty bad. So anyway, they, they have to leave. I just wrote shitty detectives because they were like, guess yep. we were wrong. <laughs> we'll just go check Rand's home tomorrow and see if maybe he's there. That's right. And they're walking by the the big, like, pond, and they're looking around it, and a giant monster. They say they think it's a dinosaur, but yeah, no. Well, first of all, uh, there was there were no aquatic dinosaurs, so. Yeah, right. They're marine reptiles, marine reptiles right? So, yeah. first of all, your, your, your presumption of it being a large, I mean... Dinosaur is a weird, weird word to call it. Yeah. You think you, you, the logical conclusion of seeing something big in the water would be like, maybe there's a crocodile. They said it has a, has a serrated fin. Oh, it had a serrated fin. That's right. Yeah, and I was like, which, so. Which, 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 as we know, uh, half of dinosaurs had, especially the ones that lived underwater. <laughs> exactly. Serrated fins and big, and it, otherwise it was shaped like a man. Yeah. One of those classic man-shaped dinosaurs. But man they don't go to school. Dinosaurs. We can't blame them. Like, yeah, everything they've learned came from, like, f- like preschool kids' books where they, yeah. like, learned about dinosaurs with serrated fins. Like, yeah, underwater. and stuff, and, like, offhanded comments from Fenton right. that were not scientifically and accurate. And what they did learn got, like, knocked right out of their brain every time they get... Oh, hit. yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, so not only is Mr. Rand disappearing, but that servant that saw the accident... Mm-hmm. Or the the vase crash on Mr. Rand's head is missing now. He went on vacation. Oh yeah, he know, went on vacation we, to Chicago. I don't. know. They yeah. find that out eventually. It doesn't. Yeah, I think it's but yeah, that's where he disappears. And they too. learned about Jenny Shingle. She disappeared too in what seems to be an unrelated thing. Yeah, she disappeared. Oh, Jenny Shingle was another servant of the family. Was she another servant? I don't remember what she did. Maybe she was a servant. This family has a lot of servants. Has a lot of servants. Oh, and doesn't Henry Cutter show up in this chapter too? Uh, Mr. Cutter, he like tries to buy something. No, I think they yell at each other way later. Oh. Yeah, I think it's more more close to the end. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so they see this water monster, and they're like, oh, they could hardly believe that they had beheld a prehistoric creature with its jagged fin and enormous head. Yeah. But, yeah, they say that it looks like a man. They follow it, and then it goes back into the water, and they lose it. And they decide that they're going to go uh, skin diving the next day. Yeah. Is that the word for uh, just scuba diving in this in this era? Or? I don't know. They call it skin diving like because— every time you dive is skin diving. Right, but they don't wear wetsuits. Right, but so maybe that's what it means. Like, I would, I would be really shocked to see diving without skin. Yeah. That oh be, God, that would be a. I bet it would last a sad like second seconds. Yeah. Um, but the morning before the they go, tepid, so it, there's infections. I I All couldn't right. understand this. They they camp out after they see this monster. Yep. And they don't get attacked by a monster in the middle of the night, which I think was obviously. Well, they happen. followed its trail, right? Though they they like followed the trail, like in the. At the edge of the pond, and they like saw a man looking for something there. Yeah, is that a- is that after they see the monster? I think that might be around the same time. Around the time the di- of the dinosaur monster. Well, either way, they decide they're going to go swimming and see what's under the in the pond the next day. Also, but- they said it was as big as a man. Yeah, as big <laughs> as a man. <laughs> like you'd see that, and you'd be like, "Well, it's like, man-sized." I'm guessing like that's smaller than a lot of 
aquatic yeah. reptiles in the south. Like there's there are man sized like snapping turtles. There right. are man sized you know crocodiles. But do they walk on their hind legs and have a giant serrated fin like, on their head? I don't know. Head. I think it'd be weirder if there was a man sized dinosaur. Yeah. In this case, so just a little little. Yeah, they don't know anything about dinosaurs. No, they don't know anything about dinosaurs. I yeah. The next morning before they go skin diving, there's this weird thing where they say, after breakfast the next morning, the boys attended Sunday church service. They had lunch in town. And I was like, wait, 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 what? Where? These Like, they, they sought out a church on their vacation trip? Did they go to church? Yeah, they on page 33. It's oh, just yeah. a throwaway sentence. After breakfast the next morning, the boys attended that Sunday church. That was definitely, they, they, uh, they threw that in in this version, for sure. Right, exactly. <clears throat> where I was like, wait, they just went to, they just like, oh, you know what, guys, I just realized it's Sunday. We should probably swing into town, go attend a local church service, even though no one is making us. Yeah. Wait, <clears throat> yeah, they were camping, and then they just went to Went to town church. to go to church. They interrupted their camping trip. Yeah, that's... To go uh, to church. They're lame. Some devout boys. Devout, yeah, very devout. For people who never, <laughs> ever talk about religion. Yeah. Ever. And never And, like, comes say up. things like, he's too good for the likes of jail. You know, yeah. they're not the most empathetic boys. No. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, they go talk to P- Police Chief Gerald. Yeah. Which um, you know is going to be... Uh, that the result of the investigation by Police Chief Gerald is going to be inconclusive. Yeah, he's <laughs> going to find out nothing. This is, uh, yeah, it's not going to go well. They they say we saw Mr. Blackstone hit Rule Rand with a vase, mm-hmm. and uh, then when we went in to confront him, Rule Rand was gone, and he's like, "Oh, interesting, interesting. Give me just one second. And then he picks <laughs> up the phone. And he's like, "Mr. Blackstone, this is Chief Gerald." Again, uh, some the, the visitors. first thing when you, what you do when you uh, when you investigate a criminal, you don't talk to the criminal. The hard, this right. is the oh. Hardy Boys mistake too. I feel like this is just a grown up <laughs> Hardy Boy. Uh, and he's like, "Yeah, uh, one of the men, Professor Rand, by the sound of it, is supposedly missing. I'm afraid I'll be obliged to get a warrant and make a search of your place." Yeah, and now he has like a whole hour to get a cover and to figure out a cover story. Like, but instead he just says, "You don't uh, need a warrant. Just come on out here right now and bring the visitors." with me which like as the police chief you'd want to be like oh, i'm gonna get a warrant anyway yeah. just just to be on the same yeah because like no you don't need a warrant these two teenagers from out of town aren't like are they like lying is that what he's assuming no it's yeah. just like there's no logic in his brain that you can kind of follow it's yeah it's really at all that he called him right away he's like hey these two boys are accusing you of something that now you have two hours to figure out what your answers are We'll be over yeah. there soon. <laughs> they, they come Thanks out. Thanks for the invite. <laughs> <laughs> they come out to his place, and he's like, oh, he's not missing. I just got this note from Professor Rand. Uh, Dear Samuel, if you want me, I'm at the Storm Island Lighthouse for a few days doing some research. Rule. My cousin is an archaeologist. His specialty is in American Indian civilization. He's but, always looking for old relics. Yeah, which is, uh, like, you which guys is can... called looting. Yeah, you know? looting. There's a word for that There's now. a lot of looting in this out book. A word. There's a lot of it, yeah. Um, yeah, but they... Uh, so his cousin's into looting Native American uh, <laughs> uh, sites. And, and they're like, oh, this note uh, sounds friendly enough. This is a small town where everyone knows that these that these two families have been fighting for generations. Yes. And he's like, okay, so we left you a nice note saying where to find him. Right. That's not suspicious in any way. He, he, he only went missing yesterday when the, when these two boys told uh, told me that he no- you knocked him over the head with a vase and he went missing. And Oh, good to know he's safe, safe and well. Oh, I love this. They asked to speak to Grover. Uh, we'd like to talk to your man, Grover, oh, yeah, who is the, was so the servant. so sad. I felt really bad for him. Yeah, he said Grover's older brother in Chicago is very ill. Uh, Blackstone returned promptly. He begged me to let him go, which, like, if you have to beg someone to see your sick brother, like, you're, you're a slave. I mean, that's not... You're, yeah. You're, a, you're more than a servant. And he and then he said, oh, and I let him go. It's his first vacation in many years. 
and they won't have them brought back for such a nonsensical reason. So basically, they're not. There's, of course, in this world, no way to communicate with people. Yeah. Uh, that have left town. <laughs> right. And there's also, it's okay to uh, to not let people go on vacations. And tell what them I like is brother. that this is a lie. This is clearly a lie from Mr. Blackstone, and he and in his version of what would be a believable lie, he's like he left town. No, oh, I wouldn't let him leave. Mm, his brother is sick, and out of the kindness of my heart... Oh, that's right. It's different than his first explanation. Right. Because he explained it to the boys yeah. when they were talking to him, right? He's he like, like, he, he wanted left. to go on vacation. Yeah, and then he thought about it. He's like, no, that's suspicious because no. I wouldn't I want to tell the police to you something different. I'm going to tell him that his brother is sick, yeah. and he begged me to go, but and this I... Is, he's had time to prep all of the statements. Yeah, and make the, a the note. Chief make a time. He's <laughs> said, we're on our way I out. mean, I was convinced. Uh, yeah. I was not convinced. No, I was not convinced at all. Um, let's see. They go back out to the swamp. They go back to their camp because yep. the police chief is like, "Now leave this man alone." Chet is there waiting for them, right? Is yep. He, has he prepped some food in this? In this? Uh, they got back to their camp and they I held think a this conference. Might be the first meal. This is the weirdest thing. They said, "Okay, I'm going back there tonight with our skin diving gear, and I'm tracking down the monster." That evening, as a big round yellow moon rose above the trees of the dark swamp, the three boys stood at the pond's edge. Frank and Joe, in bathing trunks, held diving masks and flippers. They each had an aqualung strapped to his back. Chet stood by with a thermos of hot broth. <laughs> the hot broth. That's right. I knew you were going to read this because I, I also uh, wrote this down. <laughs> what the fuck? Why? <laughs> it doesn't even have any things in it. It's just hot broth. Like, I want to know how he made the broth hot first. I mean, I guess he heated it up and then put it in the thermos. But, but like, that's Chet's um, go-to beverage that yeah. he brings with him? <laughs> like, drink some water, man. <laughs> like, hot broth is not proper hydration. This is good neither a meal nor a beverage. Get out of here. With your hot broth. <laughs> so, oh my gosh. That's right. So, um, so Frank dives well, into the water. Is this before or after the hot broth? No, he's given. He's, he's just holding. He's just Okay, wait. Yeah, say the next thing that happens because okay. it's amazing. But this consolation prize for getting knocked out is even more amazing. So, so Frank, <laughs> Frank dives into the water and is like, I'm going to see what's down there. And immediately the monster shows up. <laughs> So, oh my god! And so it, <laughs> I wrote, un, yeah, underwater duel between like immediate underwater duel. <laughs> he like, puts one flipper in, and immediately this like man-sized dinosaur monster with a fin knocks him unconscious underwater. <laughs> which like it's that's that's game over. Like you're yeah. you're done. Yeah, I guess so. He so he floats down the bottom, and then and he's all like getting forced to the bottom of the of the water. And then Joe dives in to rescue him. Yeah. Uh, Go Joe, by the Joe, way. I think this is the first time Joe has saved Frank, right? Usually, uh, or is it? It has happened a couple of times. It's usually pretty exciting, though, when Joe does. Yeah, usually but Frank's Joe is the go-to Aquaman for, like, underwater saves and rescues. Yeah. It's always well, uh, Joe Frank diving in. Frank is the in. older one, right? Yeah, Frank is the older one. That's why he shoots down everyone else's ideas all throughout this book. Yeah, well, and he's also usually the savior, so this is a fun scene. Yeah, so he, so he saves him, and Joe fights instantly. Joe encircled his brother's shoulders with one arm. At the same time, he came to grips with something cold and slippery that was tugging... Frank's limp body deeper into the pond. He's so dead. Fearlessly, Joe attacked. But the creature possessed great power and gradually wrestled him down into the thick ooze at the bottom. Joe gritted his teeth but never let go of his hold on Frank. In a moment, he wrenched himself loose from the monster. It closed in again. Desperately, Joe shook off his flippers and kicked with all his might against the cold, slimy body of the attacker. This propulsion speeded the boys upward through the water to the surface. 
Which what? Yeah. So there's some there's some dubious physics. There's also some dubious chemistry. Right. Oh, this book. man. I love it. It's the, the dubious first, chemistry yeah. is great. With a frantic one-arm stroke, Joe swam to the shore, still grasping his unconscious brother. Chet waded out and helped pull him in. A few minutes later, Frank was sitting up and shaking his head droggly. <laughs> <laughs> and, um... and then Chet goes, drink this, ordered Chet, handing over the thermos of beef broth. What happened? And I'm just like, I, yeah, I wrote... Um, like, no, get that away from me. He was knocked unconscious underwater. He has water in his lungs. He has brain trauma. Given thermos of beef broth by Chet as consolation. <laughs> but um, but he, he does uh, take a big gulp of it. But here's the thing. He doesn't tell him it's beef broth. No, he, he probably it. thought it was like water or hot chocolate or something that like normally goes into a thermos, you know? Gulp. <laughs> that was to get is, you this, to... is this just like... Water th- with, with meat in it? Yeah. Um, it is I think, that. I think he was just trying to get him to throw up all the seawater yeah, he maybe. swallowed. That, but is that what he, like, he knew it was going to happen, maybe. Maybe Chet's in on all this. <laughs> the whole reason he's he's like relaxing, vacationing he's is pulling because a Fenton he planned Harding. this whole... Yeah, he pull, he's pulling a, a Fenton. Yeah, he finds out that Joe's air hose had been sliced mm-hmm. by either a knife, claws, shears, or teeth. Uh, most likely sh- uh, claws or teeth. Yeah. I don't know many prehistoric monsters that carry a knife or unless shoes. they already know about this, uh, the fact that it's, you know, not a monster. Uh, yeah, and even in that up-close fight, they weren't able to tell that it was a person. Yeah, I know. I mean, well, and also, so the, the way that, uh, who was it, Joe? That, no, Frank fell down there. The, the reason that Frank didn't, didn't black out sooner, didn't die sooner, is because, or he did black out, but he, yeah. he held his breath until he blacked out. Is what he said, <laughs> which um, I, I, I mean, I wrote I wrote earlier, and I think it, this just proves it that these boys are like sage in the ways of head trauma. You know, yeah. like they are. You're like I they, am they, gonna like, black okay, out I can, if I hold my my breath for um, two minutes. I'll, I'll, black. I'll black out, but not die. And I know that from the hundred times I've been knocked out for that amount of time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they didn't. He and which I think is is physically imp- impossible. You can't hold your breath until you black out. You oh, can't. yeah. I think it's been – you can't do that. Yeah. Your brain the, stops you. Right. Because <laughs> your brain's like, no, you're going to – I'm just taking over. <laughs> no, but the Hardy Boys are amazing. They're like Batman. Yeah, they um, are. They decide – they just go right back to their camp and yep. go and take and go to sleep. Um, they, don't, if, they don't even have a real meal. They just had the beef broth in their belly and it's time to go to bed. Yeah. And then – but, like, don't you think the monster – I'm like, guys, the monster, though, it's going to come back. While you're in camp, nah, but nah. nah. They decide the next morning, let's hire a boat and go out to Storm Island. Right, Th- to that, investigate this lead that is, that uh, is like definitely that, true, this that true fake lead. note. No, true, real note. Totally real note that Blackstone <laughs> had about where Rand went. But I'm like, you're going to go out to Storm Island? Mm-hmm. I wonder what's going to happen. Well, okay, yeah, so the next chapter is called Maroon, so you, you guys know where this is going. Yeah, they go rent a boat, and the guy's happy to rent them a boat. Oh, yeah, he is. He's very <laughs> happy to rent them that boat. He's like, sure, boys, just bring it back by sundown. And Funny they, he said that. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> they go out to Storm Island and they, like, snoop around a bit and they tie up their boat. And then they come out of that. They don't find anybody up there in this run-down abandoned light, uh, lighthouse. Well, first of all, they describe the island as, like, a couple of rocks. It's, yeah. It's, uh, I think they can see to the end of it. It's, like, a couple of sharp, jagged rocks. There's and, this illustration. Oh, my gosh. I didn't even notice that. Is that on mine, too? I didn't. I just I had such a landscape in my brain that I didn't. Yeah, so it's um, the size of a, you know, you see this, the, the boys on it, and they are about one 
tenth the size of the entire island. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and somehow they don't notice while they're inside the lighthouse. Yeah, a, lot, a lot of things happen on this island that, that don't aren't continuous with the size of the island itself. Yeah. Um, Someone hides on the island from them. Yeah, and I wrote before before we are on the island. I, I wrote that um, this guy that lends them the boat. I didn't hadn't even read ahead, but I knew that like they're like he was like because he said make sure to bring it back before sundown. I it was kind of him saying like oh boy I can't wait to see my favorite two two Hardy Boys in the boat come back tonight. You know it's <laughs> like oh no yeah. <clears throat> uh, Chet goes out okay. with him. Chet actually does actually get accidentally get roped into. Yeah, he this just want to go for a boat ride. They go out. Into the lighthouse. They don't see anything. And when they come back out of the lighthouse, their boat's gone. Yeah. Uh, no, it's not gone. The ropes are cut. I the think ropes it's are like cut. Just drifting it's away. drifting away. Yeah. And they don't swim out to it and get it. Uh, Joe is Aquaman. I think I think it's it's based on the illustration. The water's pretty choppy. This That's is true. Storm, this is Storm Island after all. Yep. It's, and you can see the boat actually drifting quite. It is quite far away. It's. Uh, um, yeah. They would be dashed upon the rocks. It's amazing that the waves don't just push the boat back against the, sh- the rocks. Well, dubious physics. Dubious and physics. Dubious chemistry is coming up. I'm excited for this. Oh, yeah, that's great. So they find out that they're all that they're trapped in this lighthouse and they have no food because it was all on the boat, which is what Chet's so upset about. They survey their ing- what they have, and they say, we have one quart of drinking water in my canteen, Chet informed them, and one package of cookies I brought in my pocket. Oh, all that wonderful <laughs> cheese, meat. I can't stand it. Well, thanks for having like the cookies and everything. Like, way to go, Chet. He, yeah, he saved their life. They you, uh, they survived only on his rations. Otherwise, they have died of starvation immediately. Like, they don't pack. You know, I don't think backpacks were invented. They didn't um, think of anything other than Franklin they're like Chet will w. handle Dixon the food. Had invented backpacks yet at this point? <laughs> no, he had not invented the backpack. Um, yeah, let's see. At supper time, they sat down on the rocks, and Chet doled out to each boy a ration of two chocolate cookies and two swallows of water. As they chewed their meager meal, staring idly at the old tower, Frank burst out. I know what. We always carry match packets with us when on a camping trip. So let's light a beacon tonight as a guess, as a distress signal. Mm-hmm. All of these old-fashioned lighthouses use acetylene beacons. Which if, is, wait, uh, I had to look that up. And then they say, if we can't make this one work, what good is the chemistry we're learning in high school? And I was like, you're learning in high school? Also, um, uh, chemistry at this time was like... If you, you know, there were chemistry kits that were entirely radioactive. Right. Um, I remember there was this one that my dad told me about that was, there was a chemistry kit uh, made entirely out of radioactive ingredients, and you could play hide-and-seek with... Um, Radium? Uh, with, oh, no, it was even worse. It was, uh, it said it gave out, it was, it was gamma-ray emitting material. So you would basically take a Geiger counter, and you would hide the object someone, somewhere for someone else to find in your house, which, you know... I hid mine uh, in my underwear. <laughs> <laughs> Never gonna find it. Amazing out. that I'm here. It hurts. Um, yeah, those, those, you know, these kids will not have progeny if they keep experimenting with chemistry. So acetylene gas lamps, I guess, are a real thing. They are mm-hmm. carbide lamps. They are just like big lighthouse lamps, and so that part is real. And then they want to get gas for the tank, and they're mm-hmm. li- and then Joe's like, "Here we are, calcium carbide." As he pulls open it, a- why do they leave all these chemicals out here at this abandoned lighthouse? Well, maybe there was just backup chemicals to light the beacon with. But then why wouldn't they leave all the ones that you need to to light a lighthouse? Why would they require the use of what was it, seawater? Yeah, they pour seawater <laughs> over. They said the seawater poured over the calcium carbide will produce acetylene gas, which burns with bright lights. And I was like, actually, Frank. If that's accurate chemistry, like where we learned that in high school, 
Yeah, that's that's how to make like a like a bomb. bomb. <laughs> and also, it's like super practical for the situation. I'm I think really... Fenton probably told him. About yeah, that. Fenton's he like, has oh. a lab in his in his attic. Yeah, he does. He does have a lab. They have a lab too, but it's smaller, not a school. Right. They. I meant. I meant them. Does Fenton have oh, a, yeah. a separate lab? Yeah, I think so. Like cool. In their crime lab, part of it is Fenton's, where he has all of his crime library in his own his own lab. Hmm. Yeah. So then they pour a bucket of water. They try to light. Oh yeah, but they they waste all the matches. Yeah. Every uh, single match because they just they just it doesn't take light right they just keep they just keep lighting matches and trying. And you think that so there's something called like a what is it like a fire? You can start a fire with with stuff. Like yeah, you can basically build a pyro pile of sticks so that you have fire for longer. And than they a had match matches, lasts. but this plan doesn't work. And they just all they they use all of their matches mm-hmm. trying to get a, one after another, trying to get it to work <laughs> as the wind blows it out as soon as they light them. Yeah, which like build a fire first. Stop. Guys. Like, Prioritize your, yeah. your your fuel. Build a big fire and then see if you can use a torch to light the... Yeah, but now they're out of options, so... Oh, and then Joe falls to his death. Oh, he doesn't fall. He gets thrown to his death. Or yep. should have been a death. I've, how he yeah, survived, he's up in no the idea. window. That's the last he's up in the chapter. He's like, he right. gets tossed, you know, here... Because I think Chet and, and Frank went downstairs to do something... Else. Else. Um. So Joe, crouching, Joe hold, held his flaring match to the jets. A stiff breeze whipping through the wide window snuffed it out. Again and again, he brought the flame over the holes, but without result. Finally, all of his matches were gone. At that moment, the boy heard the floor creak nearby. As Joe turned, something lifted him up and rushed him toward the open, wide open window. It's like, is he, is he closing his eyes? I don't Does know. Does he not know? Uh, <laughs> you know right. I mean? He can't he, see who As he is. turned around, so we've established that he's like facing his assailant. They grabbed and then he says, him. Something grabbed him and pushed him out the window. Like so, he shut his eyes because he was real scared. Yeah. And then he, uh, um, let's see, with a wild cry of help, Joe felt himself plunging into space. And then the chapter ends. So he's he's so, pl- uh, he's plunging. Yeah. Right he's now, at, let's, uh, he's at he's you know he's reaching terminal velocity. I think now would be a good time to check in with Bingo. Oh, yeah. Let's see what we got so far. The boys should have been tied up, but they weren't. A minority. I definitely have that. Attempted murder for sure. I've got that. Okay. Great. Uh, does uh, does does beef broth in a thermos count as a picnic? <laughs> I, uh, I don't want to. I, 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 no. I wouldn't want anyone to bring that to my picnic. So I'm yeah, if you no. showed up with that at a picnic, I'd be like, who is uh, this? There, there'll be plenty of picnics to come, though. Well, Mrs. Hardy left the house. She's on. Oh vacation, yeah, Mrs. Hardy so. left the house. Oh, I don't have that one. Oh, there's no pie. There's no gunfight. I've uh, got trespassing. Maybe, maybe a sabotage. Real does someone cutting the rope of their boat? Yeah, that's pretty much that's sabotage. Sabotage. Classic. Okay. An animal. There's a black and white cat earlier. I, I the boys know. leave Bayport. The boys, did they get tied up yet? No. They just got knocked out and left on the ground. No. And there's no, um, well, an actual injury, I think, Mr. Rand. But then again, it might be an illusion. There, there's no real injuries yet. I don't think, like, well, unless Oh, I got a, a red herring because that uh, the clue to go out to Lighthouse Island was a red herring. Right. And so that's was one of the technically first... the help because nothing happened from that. And they said, help, help. And that was, I guess that's not a clue. That's different. But still, that's one of the first times we've ever had an actual red herring. Yeah, they're not very good at making um, parts of mystery novels that are good. Okay. That's a very accurate statement. <laughs> they are not Thank good you. at making parts of Eloquent mystery novels too. that are good. Okay, so she left the house. Okay, I've got a couple. Okay, great. Not, yep, wor- I'm not happy. connecting anything yet, but. Um, all right. So how many days are they stranded on? Uh, well, we should okay, probably yeah, let so... everybody know what happens to Joe. <laughs> he, uh, He's fine. Miraculously survived. He, uh, in midair. Yeah. Well, okay, it actually makes more sense if he's facing his assailant who throws him out the window because he manages to catch on to the edge of the windowsill which his assailant doesn't realize like if i was i'd is, look this is getting, i'd take a peek over the edge i'd be like did make I sure him really no oh he's got fingers and cut. bash 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 yeah. if he's willing to murder a child you think he'd be thorough take at the least. extra step yeah. 
do it, you know, double check. Double check your work. Yeah, check your Which, work. Which, by the way, there. why is he there? I mean, the whole How did he thing hide from them? There. The whole thing was that they were he was supposed to cut the line and, and then they should have taken off. Waiting? Like they I don't if know. they knew he was going to come, but if they'd wait a couple days, would he just be like because they dropped him off. Their boat isn't there. Right. Would they come back? Or would he come out and be like, hey, hey boys, surrender. Do you, can I have some of those cookies? Yeah, seriously. He must be starving and thirsty. Like, Watching so, them this, eat chocolate cookies. There's salt water around here. Like, there's, no, there's nothing to drink. But they don't find this guy ever. Well, they assume that he, he must have been hiding under the floorboards, but now he's somewhere on the island. Somewhere on this island that's ten times the size of a human man. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they, they, like, look. In quotations, all right. They they don't really actually look for. Him. They must not have because if they would have each walked. Well, what have they done when they found him? He just tried to kill one of them. I, w- I would be terrified. Yeah, I'd be like, let's hope he doesn't find us. Yeah. Um, I just hold like a pretend funeral for Joe or something. I don't... <laughs> yeah. Um, well, but they don't, they don't have food. They, they get rescued because do they start? Well, no. Before they, they get just rescued, t- they find some clues on the island. Oh, what are the clues? They, they find can? so they find some old p- papers in a tin box in the lighthouse. Uh, with news of a like old newspaper clippings of a shipwreck, they they hear of a tr- a treasure that was you know the the shipwreck was I think the great great grandfather of this of this Blackstone guy, and they hear about how you know his treasure is still probably somewhere near Hidden Harbor, which they're like oh this is the that's first time right. they hear about Hidden Harbor the the Hidden Harbor mystery we now are clued into is treasure, which um, great yeah I was really excited I was like okay this is a treasure mystery, that's something I can actually get behind. Yep. Is a, like a libel suit in a property dispute no, now over we're, a now pond. Now we're a full-fledged tre- okay. treasure. Okay, there's mystery. a monster. There's a there's a treasure. Yeah. I'm on board. Right. They get rescued. How did After they get rescued? He is, well, so first the, the guy escapes the island on the boat. They like hear oh, in the middle yeah. of the night. They're like, he's getting away, and they like picked him up after how long? God knows how long after him failing his mission. I don't know why he was. Or why did he called just... them? Were they going to come after at a set point? Maybe. Yeah. It was just really. Uh, just a lot of holes there. But, yeah, it was that's um, such a weird part of the book. Yeah, so they just take. Chet's I love their shirt, little right? island survival time. They take Chet's shirt. He while they take it, he gets referred to again as a stout boy for the yeah. thousandth time. He finds a he awesome way to go, Chet. He finds a mackerel. Oh yeah, yeah. that's right. He he just straight up like gets a big fish. It was like trapped in a little tide pool or something. Yeah, and he just grabs um, it with his hands like a bear and, and then makes they, them fish. They eat it, right? They have yeah, like, delicious mackerel fillet. He's like, this I is, caught like, the third meal he's made for them. Besides, I mean, it's, it's like a step up from beef broth. But he's like, I caught this fish and I'm gonna cook it. Yeah, wait, like he saves their life again. Way to go, Chet. Yeah, I don't know where they got cooking uh, gear. Uh, the pilot picks them up though. They signal. Oh yeah, they signal with Chet's red shirt or something. Chet has like a loud red and yellow like Hawaiian, you know, like. Vacation right, shirt, they're like, Shut, your and they're shirt. like, yeah, they're like, our shirt, my shirt's dark red, my mm-hmm. shirt's dark blue, your shirt's loud and crazy, <laughs> which and is so- like just a, a, a different color besides red, uh, blue or gray, apparently. Yeah, blue and gray. Yeah, so they uh, they wave Chet's shirt, and a pilot who happens to be a seaplane. Yep. Yep. He sees them, rescues the boy. They fly them back. They don't have any time to recover from their. They don't take any time at all to recover from their being shipwrecked for like three days. Yeah, I think they just they probably eat a, heart, a hearty meal. Yeah. They're good to go. Oh, oh they right. go to the vase shop. <laughs> the vase oh, yeah. shop uh, scene is one of my favorite scenes of, of this mystery book. Okay. <laughs> because it solves one of the mysteries right away. I would like to read before that. Oh, yeah. The, There's the, boat, two... the boat interaction. <laughs> they go get Mr. Worth and they tell him we've been, we've been stranded on this island for several days. And they're like, well, we'll give you a change of clothes and a solid meal. They said, we'll take the meal, but not the clothes for some reason. Yeah. But anyway, wow. he, he's like, let's go back down and rent a new boat. 
So they go back down to the yeah they go back down to the town square and they question everyone who might have noticed the se- the seamstress because the seamstress Miss Jingle is missing now. Oh, and sorry before this, just real quick, Bartworth, while, like while he offered them all this stuff, he was like really concerned for them. He like realized someone was about to kill him. He's like, it's not worth it, guys. Like this is just a libel suit. Yeah, let, let's Your just. Children, like, uh, get I out thought of it here. was going to be simple, but if there's somebody yeah. trying to kill you and threw you out of a window, I think maybe we should just yeah, stop. He's like, the just whole forget thing. it. This it's not worth like it's a newspaper. It's not worth risking your lives. And he's like, we'll accept that meal, but if you think there's anything that will keep us from this job now, you're mistaken. And then they have you know they've got scores to settle. So so he knows that um, that Jenny Shringle, the um, seamstress, knows that the or it was the first one that told him the story about the uh, black stones getting their fortune from piracy or something like that. But she's disappeared, and they're like, we got to find her. Um, they go down to the town square, and they question everyone who might have noticed the seamstress departing a few mornings before. No one had. Gradually, the four worked their way to the docks, where the man from whom the boys had rented the boat eyed them suspiciously. Where's my boat? He asked. It drifted off. Frank answered. It drifted off? Then you will all pay for her. <laughs> Bartworth immediately drew out his checkbook. You boys are working in my interest when you lost it, he insisted, despite the Hardy's protests. Yeah, so a few things here to unpack. This boat is dear, near and dear to this boatmaster. He, yeah. It's, 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 a, it's uh, sorry, it's a she. Oh, so it is? He says, oh, the boat then is, you will yeah. all pay for her. That's right. All boats are she. Also, the nonchalant way in which Frank answered. He's like, it well, drifted off. He does not even like, sorry, man, you know, we were, there was a criminal who, <laughs> who cut the line of it. And uh, we were stranded on the island. He just was like, uh, whatever. Like, what an, like, <laughs> what a D bag. He, he yeah. seems like it's such a wild guy. And then, like, it drifted off, yeah. whatever, three days ago. Wow. Anyway. And then, and then of course, uh, Bart Worth, who's probably this very, you know, he's not rich. No, he's, he's, a, he's a, a newspaper, newspaper editor, editor of a small town newspaper. That's probably getting run out of business. But uh, he pays for this he boat. He pays for everything. And they, you know, they protest, but not probably not hard enough because they found like eight treasures at this point. They can pay for it. For a rental boat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're like, no, no, you can cover it. Thanks. Yeah. Once more, they pressed the search. Suddenly, Frank halted before a small gift shop not, not far from the docks. Those two oriental vases, he said, pointing to the window. They're the same kind as the one Blackstone used to hit Rand. Eagerly, the party went into the store. Chet noticed a small, shy-looking Negro boy, who had been tagging them constantly, enter after them. Oh, those china vases, the shopkeeper said in answer to Frank's question. Y- yes, they're always sold in pairs. That explains how Blackstone replaced his, Frank murmured to the others as they turned to go. Quickly, the little lad slipped out in front of them. That kid's been eavesdropping on us for half an hour, Chet finally remarked. That youngster? Bart shook his head doubtfully. He's doing no harm, I'm sure. Dude, really? <laughs> like, even after all this, you're not suspicious oh, of anybody? Man. Yeah, someone's spying on them. But yeah, wait. So they're, those vases so are always sold them in, in pairs. pairs. Yeah, and it's the one that he used to hit Rand. Well, they find out that Jenny Shringle went to Sea City, which is, I guess, an amusement park, or is Sea City a different town? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She like went. I think she's like running. Oh, she's like running away from something. Obviously. I so. I really love this line. They traveled at the highest legal speed towards Sea City. Yeah, highest. Le- I wrote that down too. Highest legal speed. I, wonder I will drive at the highest legal speed. Thank you for clarifying that. That's but... saying, I will not hurry. Mm-hmm. Then they pass a car that Professor Rand was in, with, and Cutter is at the wheel, the, one of the guys that owns oh, the antique store. There's a, there's a fish vendor uh, Oh, yeah, the fish scene. vendor. Just a really quick kind of comedy moment where Chet tries to dive at the little eavesdropper boy, and he's dodged nimbly, and then Chet, like, you know, a bunch of fish cascades on yeah, him. Yeah, he over... classic vendor, classic fish vendor line. 
my fish, you know, like very, my fish, very like Bender. very my cabbages, very my much, new yeah. shirt, Chet Whale. Yeah, that was and a then, nice little scene. Okay, look at this. This is on sixty one, but after Chet had been helped to his feet and the Hardys had paid for the fish, the vendor mollified went on with his story. And then he tells them that Jenny Shringle went up to see The fish vendor told them that? Yeah, the fish vendor. What does the fish vendor have to do anything with? Oh, because he has to be involved because they interacted with him once. Right, exactly. But why they had to pay for all the fish that fell out of the cart, which they're just like dropping An entire fish is is pretty expensive, like a filet of fish. I actually, when when I first read it, I thought Mr. Worth had paid for that as well. We're like, <laughs> let me get this, boys. We're just like, oh boy, I bought them dinner and then that boat. Yeah, and, well, then, the, and then all the fish fell on Chet, and it's clear to this point onward that he does not change his shirt. So all of the criminals oh, yeah. will be able to smell him coming from uh, several hundred feet away. Uh, and this is his new cool lightning zigzag shirt that the boys made fun of him for. They said that'd be a great signal on island. Like, he saved you with his last shirt. Loud shirts are the way to go if you're a mystery-solving sleuth. Yeah, exactly. Stop they, criticizing yeah. his choices. He literally like has made you the last five meals. Beef broth was a was a bad poor choice, but you can't blame him for that. No, he. Uh, it's the best diving snack. <laughs> they see Miss Shringle at this uh, I, at this amusement park. This like sea a nautical themed amusement park in Georgia. Right. And um, she's sipping an What's ice cream soda. Again? It's, the, uh, it's called Sea City. Sea City, right? On the way there, they see. Uh, That's where they see Cutter, Cutter and Mr. Rand in the car. The yeah, um, doing whatever. And but they can't turn back. No, they can't turn back and go check it out. But when they see her, instead of like, let's follow her and see what's up, they go. Hey! Yeah, that's right. And she stands up. This woman is escaping things. Like, she's clearly there because she's traumatized. And they're They're like, like, hey! We're we're after you! (laughs) We're going to get you, lady, for some questioning! But then she runs runs into a fun house, which they even put in quotes. Because they know that fun houses aren't that fun. Oh, no, but this fun house is the opposite of fun. This fun house is 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 a murder house. Have you been in a fun house before? It's not like this. No, it's not okay. like this. Suddenly, she darted off the walk and halted at one of the amusement ticket windows. The next minute, the four friends running towards her saw her disappear into a brightly painted fun house billed as Bluebeard's Palace. At one side of the high, bizarre building, a well-greased wooden slide <laughs> shot the screaming customers <laughs> down, screaming. down to the boardwalk. Chet folded his arms. Well, he said, all we do is wait here till Jenny Shringle comes out. She can't stay in there forever. Bart shook his head. Uh, the funhouse is too rough for a woman of Jenny's age. We'd better go in. Frank agreed. Before she gets hurt. Bart, you wait here. He quickly purchased admission tickets. <laughs> the three boys yeah. entered the funhouse. Oh, <laughs> wow. So this is so offensive to, uh, to, to funhouses, to amusement <laughs> parks, and to women. It's got, a, it's got a, the trifecta of, of offensiveness. A uh, funhouse is too rough for a woman of Jenny's age? What the hell is what in this funhouse? Fun house did you, like snake? I mean, there's a, there's a greased wooden slide at the end, so I yeah. mean, that's kind of scary. But Let's see. So they run in this weird scream, startled them. Hanging cobwebs brush their faces. Slithery snake-like forms writhed underfoot. Yeah. Weird scream startled them. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't a funhouse. This is a... Uh, Finally reaching a level place, they walked ahead rapidly, only to find themselves on a treadmill carrying them back. So Frank (laughs) steps off the treadmill. This is classic funhouse stuff. None of this actually sounds scary. Then there's like distortion mirrors. Mm -hmm. Frank bursts out laughing because even though he's in the middle of a chase, he's so amused by the (laughs) funhouse that he's like, Well, because he sees his... uh, 
his reflection in a mirror. And, it's a and then he sees this giant, like, re- you know, broad-shouldered man, but it's just him. Yeah, and then he's like, then reflected behind him loomed another figure of gorilla-like proportions with a familiar flattened face. I warned you, a hoarse voice raspy. Yeah, he's so raspy. After this, he's so raspy. And then they get, they fall into a room where all the floors are tilted in crazy directions. They are, like, running around. Forced to run downhill forced without run down hill. to stop himself. Yep, so that's, this is, uh... You know, if you can survive this funhouse, actually, this is a tough funhouse. Yeah, exactly. To, to I wonder even if, get you know, there's, there's ride amazing. goers that just, you know, get lost in here and then It's die. amazing that Jenny, at, in her, you know, advanced Oh, she's age, made it past all of this, right? And then she, she, but of course, she gets hung up. She made it past the treadmill? Yeah. Like, you think she would have just stopped there and been like, oh. Well, the treadmill is, is all fine. Like, the other thing is, like, being forced to run downhill <laughs> without being able to stop yourself sounds like a pretty bad, you know, like, PR is going to talk about that. Uh, when someone dies, <laughs> like oh yeah, we took we took out the ramp that was you know forty feet long, and you can't stop yourself when you're on it. <laughs> so they got oh, they probably got that, rid of that in the sixties. That made now. the fun house. This is oh, why that was the best fun houses part. aren't fun anymore. Like the fun houses as we experienced them as children. So uh, uh, have this. Flatface pulls out a knife to I fight don't, these don't teenage call boys. Flatface. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> call him like Gorilla Man or something. Okay, Gorilla Man. enough racial slurs in this yeah, you're right. <laughs> I didn't even connect those dots. No, you're right. You're right. We'll call <laughs> Or like Horse Voice or like yeah. Raspy. Raspy. Something like old let's raspy. Call old raspy. No, it does sound like a terrible 1920s uh, like detective's assistant flat face. <laughs> but he knows all the martial arts. He's obviously just a big sailor man. He's not, <laughs> yeah, you're right. He's either raspy or... He's uh, raspy okay. or gorilla face. Um, no, that doesn't <laughs> no, sound good. I'm just going to say just raspy. raspy. Just, say it. just say those words and then keep going. Raspy. So raspy pulls out a knife and then he uh, he goes to fight, stab <laughs> these two teenage boys in this funhouse. Yeah, he has a knife. And Joe shouts, oh this funhouse isn't so much fun anymore. <laughs> This is when he realizes that there's a real element of peril in here is when there's a man with a knife charging out. Savagely, the big man kicked and lashed out. The boys gave heart chopping blows in return. Let's see. New customers paused. <laughs> <laughs> it's like some zoo. So I'm just imagining here like roller coaster tycoon, you know, like where no matter what happens, like people are getting thrown off the rides and like dying. All it causes is like a, like a line and people are like, you know, slightly impatient. You can see their moods going down. But besides that, they're like not too alarmed. <laughs> So they, they, they see, oh my god, yeah, there's... They pause at the entrance to the... So like classic, classic, like, bad AI move on the, yeah. on the, the spare-goers parts. And they just stop and they, like, look and they're like, is this knife fight part of the funhouse? Like, oh, I don't, I don't know if I want to go in there anymore. Like, first, like, a cowering woman ran in, screaming, and then, like, two boys ran in, followed by a large man with a knife. Uh, maybe we should not go now, in there. Now they're fighting. Were there, does it say that fairgoers lined, where does it say that they lined up? This isn't. All, all I saw was. So the, this is, a, is this after the fight or, like, during? This is during. It's on the bottom of 65. The, the boys gave chopping hard blows in return. <laughs> the new customers paused at the entrance to the tilted so chamber. they were in the funhouse. They were just waiting for the room is what you're saying? Like... I, 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 I'm imagining this so much better now. This is uh. They're like, well, here's the deal. Either it's a real knife fight, in which case, guys, I want to go through the funhouse. 
<laughs> either it's a real fun house, or like either it's a real knife fight, in which case I don't want to go in there, or it's all part of the fun house. These in boys which are hogging up the knife room. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I don't want to turn at this getting beat up by a man with a knife. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Gorilla Man. So, um, he gets away. Recovering, Frank and Joe oh. and Chet plunge into the dark passage in pursuit. Yeah, Excited the, screaming reach their ears from the blackness ahead. So, the reason he gets away is because um, Jenny can't handle the funhouse they were right about. about oh, that. yeah. What part was she, was she hung up on? It wasn't the knife it's room, the, right? It was it's the, the exit with the steep chute. Uh, the pudgy figure of a woman teetered at the opening at the top of the slide. Oh, oh, please, somebody help me. Let's see. The guy goes down the slide, and he shoves the woman out of the way. Right. So, like, she's teetering, like classic cartoon teetering. Yeah. Um, but before she can fall back, uh, presumably to her death, like, sliding down backwards down a slide, which yeah. would, would apparently kill someone. And it's like a narrowing shoot. They, like, they, like grab her, and yeah. then they, like, make sure that she goes down the right way. And then they're like, oh, there's an emergency exit right here. And oh, they, wait, wait, did they run to the emergency exit? So they, don't, they don't go down the slide. They don't follow the man. They say the as other customers pressed behind them, the boys are right. still So they, they, they advanced. The, the group before them saw this all go down, and they still advanced. Oh, that's such bad AI. That's such <laughs> bad writing. Oh go down the slide. Right. Get down there. Um, and Jenny's, you know, screaming in, in fear. So they take a they take a set of stairs that lead down the back of the building, and they get out, and uh, they lose they lose the um, they show up, and Joe's like, I lost that big guy in the crowd, and I'm yeah. like, that's okay, dude, let him go. Yeah, just, he's let he's him not go. even a threat. Just you have you have information to get from this terrified woman that thinks that you were chasing her, and the reason she was in there in the first place is because you were tactless. You know, when you when you gave chase immediately before realizing who she was, so. She caves and is like, okay, fine, fine, I'll tell you everything. Because she's so terrified by what just happened. Yeah, um, the, the shaken seamstress, yeah. Yeah, the shaken seamstress. And uh, they go back to their camp. They find out that, basically they find out that the note from Mr. Rand t- telling them to go to the lighthouse was fake. That's basically right. what they learn. And I'm um, like, you knew it was fake. They knew it was fake. They knew that the reason they went to the island was because they knew it was fake. Right. So they find out, in quotes. Just yeah. like fun houses, in quotes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot of things in quotes in this book. Um, they go back to their camp. The yep. camp stove was lighted. Meanwhile, Chet broke a dozen eggs into well, a first bowl. First, they talked to Jenny. They, the whole yeah. point was that they interview her. But that's all she. That's all really the information. Yeah, so like she, she was gives paid them. off. Yeah, she was paid off to leave because yeah. she knew. Rand. Oh, you told. Yeah, you, that's right. You talked about yeah. this. Okay. Um, but though Chet breaks a dozen eggs into a bowl. Oh my gosh, Chet! Thank and you. he makes um and he makes a big omelet. Yeah, this is meal number th- four now. Three yeah. if you don't include beef broth, which I do not, but and, some people do. And then they get a third steaming of, of or they each get a one third of an omelet. Actually, I was just thinking no, I think that they, don't they each get an omelet? When my no, they each eat one third. Okay. It says a few minutes later, each boy was balancing a tin plate filled with a huge steaming third of a puffy omelet. This is this is why people listen to the third. show is to know how much omelet these boys omelet. are eating. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, they notice that their pair of white eyes and a dark face is That's watching right. them, and uh, he's like, "It's a little boy who was eavesdropping on us today." Right now, our campsite is known. It was probably already known, and they but they follow they follow him. The little Negro boy. That's yeah, I think I think we've him. so Lil. We've confirmed like the I wrote that when we first met the servant that we've confirmed that black people exist in the Hardy Boys universe, yeah. but in the worst way possible. Like, yeah, they're only either servants or like you know people, the children of children servants. of servants. That's kind of sad. Yeah, um, and as they're like watching this little guy, they see 
they see him go by the pond, and when they walk by the pond, they see that monster again. That's right. He's and there. I'm surprised. And then and then Joe says, "Back to camp. We'll get our diving gear and underwater lights. We'll figure out what that thing is." Yet it tried to kill you instantly right. the last time you got in the water. And before we go to the next scene, you have to realize that the last time that Blackstone caught the Hardy Boys trespassing, he said, "I will let I my will do- let my dogs <laughs> on you <laughs> if you ever come back here." So. Oh, and also they, they're going to go back to the, get their diving gear, but yeah, wasn't the line to But they have Frank's to run tank? back to the Blackstone. Or, but, like, isn't Frank's diving gear all screwed up from when the guy cut the line to his oxygen I, tank? I, they fixed. I don't know. Fixed. Okay. It's, but anyway, yeah, they're like, let's go, and they're running across Blackstone's property, and all of a sudden, with a vicious snarl, the larger of the two police dogs leapt at Frank and knocked him to the ground. Yeah, and they're like, he told you. Dogs! Ah! <laughs> So um, they, they have to fight dogs. And they actually say they have the audacity in the next, like at the very beginning of the next chapter, like after they, you know, they run away from the dogs. He says, that was close. You okay, Frank? And then Frank says, say, wonder if someone inside told Mr. Blackstone we were around and he deliberately set his dogs on us. You know, like he told us what he would do if he saw us trespassing again. He, like, he probably just looked out the window and yeah, saw just, you like, run the past window, his right past. He was like, all right, get the dogs. That's what dogs are. I mean, that's what these attack dogs are clearly for. So they go and get fishing spears and all of oh, their yeah. uh, skin diving gear. And then they go, and I'm like, how is this possible while they go back to camp they see a, a suspicious boat offshore too oh that's watching right watching them that's been camping so so uh, much suspicious things it's not yeah it's like in the middle of the pond is that what it is yeah oh well, i think the thing yeah it's like it's it's i don't think it's, I think it's off the ocean because what i'm imagining oh, right, is right. like there's the coast and then there's kind of like a, a sandy a, a sandy path. dune yeah. area and then the pond, the pond is inlet you know yeah. it's like a little, it doesn't even connect to the ocean right anymore what anymore. so um they give Chet two rocks, and they say, Chet, if anybody comes or if you see that monster, knock two stones together under the water, which is a good plan, but, like, aren't you more likely to see the monster under the water where you're going to find out about the monster? Well, it's, sil- it's silty. It's if it comes up and tries to kill Chet. Yeah, keep still for Pete's sake, said came Joe's calm voice. I've got mud on me, that's all. Oh, because he comes out of the water, and Chet thinks it's the monster, but it's just Joe covered in mud. Yeah. Weird. Uh, that should have been the first clue where they're like, it's not a monster, is it? Because <laughs> yeah. like, I thought you, you looked were... a lot like the monster, but you just were in disguise. Okay, let, let's look for the monster again. <laughs> it was man-sized and had a fin. Look out for it. It was probably a dinosaur. The next morning, they, they wake up and they there's no Chet. Oh, yeah. No, he was getting breakfast. Oh, that's right. They go. They wake up in the so morning and they is, get their bathing trunks to go I swimming. I think I wrote like meal number five. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So he goes and gets some breakfast. Yep. In town? They're alone right now, right? They, and they see the, the fishing smack again. They see that... It was closer now, so they're clearly spying on them. And because, you know, this boat is at sea, clearly, and they are not at sea, they have to uh, somehow get in the water, but they, you know, they need to stay dry, too, so they're going to get a boat. Yeah. And who are they going to get a boat from other than our... You know, they knew a guy earlier who rented them a boat. Who trusts them with with his life and who, you know... And he does. They go Mm -hmm. back to him. The Hardys piled their skin diving gear into the yellow convertible and with Chet drove to Larchmont Docks. Another boat, repeated the man at the boat livery. Why, you fellers didn't bring back the first one you rented. Well, this time, Frank assured him, we'd like to buy some fishing tackle and bait too. Oh, that'll make it oh, right. Yeah. It's like, it's like, get one boat. And if you lose it, it's fine as long as next time you buy like 30 cents worth of worms. Yeah, exactly. Like, well, <laughs> then, now we're going to go fishing. Oh, okay. But okay. yeah, he lets them. I guess he knows because he thinks worth is probably uh, good for it. Well, and also because Fenton will kill him. Right, he knows. He Does he know about Fenton? I guess he is internationally famous. He's internationally famous. They put on their diving gear. 
They go under the water as nonchalantly the plump boy begin to fish. I wonder who that's a reference to. Anyway. Uh, yeah, unclear. Uh, unclear. I found it out. Next sentence, they say, oh, check great. at the wheel. Great. Yeah, they, they spy on the fishing boat, and they listen as the criminals, like, Cutter and Stewart and everybody. Well, is it, is it clearly Cutter No, it's there? the flat-faced guy, Jed, who but, they keep describing as the flat-faced guy. I'm oh, just they gonna, do? Yeah. And uh, so the flat-faced guy's name is Jed. Okay. He is in cahoots with Cutter. So that's not just me. And uh, Stewart are meeting on this boat. So they know that the criminals are involved somehow with this fishing boat. Right, but they haven't clearly placed Cutter, even though all these people are his associates. Yeah, they just know that the antique store owners are clearly involved, because why would they be owning an antique store if they weren't? Yeah, and they also, these boys have a really bad job recognizing, recognizing voices if they can't see the face, which, you know, there's a certain part of the brain that's responsible for You like, know what I just realized that. that's really exciting? Yeah. They, when they were on the lighthouse, they kept hearing something, and they referred to it as the ghost. All of which means, Frank added, that Cutter is out to get us, and that horse-voiced fellow is in league with him, and was the ghost on Storm oh Island. Which means gosh. that if anybody missed that in there, bingo, I would uh, check off a ghost with quotes around it, because I've got... that's why there's quotes around it. Awesome. Bingo. Okay, great. It's, lo- it's great when you can see that on the horizon. Oh, this is great. Yeah, so they think that, that maybe he's working for Blackstone. They don't really know. They catch another fish. Oh, they do realize that the, that Raspy, the flat-faced guy, is in cahoots with Cutter. Yeah. They think that, yeah, they know that he is. But they but don't it, suspect him later on. I don't understand that. They're like, yeah. They found out this early, and they're still like, who who could be behind all these all these uh, attempted murders? Yeah. I don't huh. know. Maybe the guy who tried to attempt to, to murder us? <laughs> uh, maybe. Interesting. Okay. He's one of the options. Uh, but Chet catches another fish while yep. they're out there, so he Meal cooks. Six. Yep. Boom. Out of the way. These are special fish. Old Chet cut them. Old Chet will cook them, and Old Chet will serve them. So Old Chet has to do all the work. That's uh, weird. Oh, you caught him. He's on. He's on vacation. He's he likes to cook. He calls himself Old Chet, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he's um, he's taken some notes from from some some from some unwilling servants. So yep. He's a detective. I feel really bad for him. He's they're beco- he's becoming the Hardy's servant. They oh, maybe, yeah, maybe they'll right. let him go on vacation one of these days to see his, only see if he's going brother. to see his sick brother or his sister Iola. Uh, Actually, he seems he seems like he's having a good time this time. Like he's not he hasn't had too many elements of peril where he's been like I never should have come here. He's yeah. just like and he, he loves never cooking. he loves feeding the boys. He never complains that Joe dates his little sister. Oh. He never, never even comes well, up. they're not even in this book. No, they don't even And they appear. don't. It's not like they even think or talk about them. So. Nope. When they're not physically in the room, <laughs> they are not on their minds. Let's maybe, see. So maybe they, they forget they exist until they see them. Probably. All uh, that okay, head trauma. So and they're like, oh, Liola. It's Iola. Iola. <laughs> they follow the little boy who they think is carrying That's food right. they somewhere. They continue their pack, like, search for him. And, where and they follow him into one of the mansions, like the Rand Mansion. They find a heavy wooden door, like, down... Behind, oh, out, like outside one of the bushes. Yeah, yeah, behind some bushes. They find yeah, an old yeah. door. And they go into a hidden passageway. Title of the next chapter, Hidden Passageway. And they just, they find that they can open the door. And they're like, well, let's just go into it. Yeah. Entering a secret passageway has never, like, gotten us knocked on the head by someone behind us before. <laughs> um, and there's three of us, but we'll just all stay facing forward. One, <laughs> two, three. Let's they all enter. go in. Uh, they but t- things are fine. Things yeah, are they fine. terrify the little boy and the old man who are in there. It's Grover, who is supposed to be in Chicago. Right. He they just, just like put their hand on the door. They're like, breach, basically. And yeah. They're like, here it goes. And they like push it open. They're like, hi. You know, this is, <laughs> these are some very secretive people that Who's are in here? fearing their life. Um, so. But why didn't Grover just actually go to Chicago? 
Or at least get out of town. No, that's a great question. You know, why why would he make up his whole alibi if he didn't actually have anything to do with that? Yeah, why didn't he send him away? Maybe this is, isn't that his like grandson or something like that? So maybe yeah. He oh, that's right. His grandson, but he has to smuggle food. And now his it's grandfather's not, not like, like live, he's living like, in the woods or he's something. Like living like life on the run. This is yeah. No way to live. So he tells them all of this. Uh, they they basically convince him that they're here to try to make him so he and little Timmy don't have to live in a cave no more. His, yeah, his name's Timmy. That's right. Classic um, child name. He's like, all right, sir, I'll tell you folks what I can. I don't like trouble. The faster this thing's cleared up, the happier lots of folks will be. And I wrote, also, you're living in a cave. So the faster this will get resolved, <laughs> the sooner you don't have to live in a cave. Yeah, but and he's like... They're in a passageway that's in between the two mansions. Mm-hmm. It's like the, the old passageway. Is that where they are? I never really understood that. So they're yeah, like in, it's there's like connecting big, the Blackstone Estate with... With the Rand Estate, the Rand Estate through a big servant's kitchen that I guess served both mansions back in the day. Okay. It's a weird thing. Mr. Blackstone warned me out of there, Grover admitted. But when a body gets as old as I am, he's kind of scared to ride in trains or on airplanes way off a thousand miles away from where he's been living all his wife. So I said I'd keep snug in this beverage room instead. I suppose you guess this is the old plantation kitchen passage. Both sides of the family know about it. And he says, uh, you've waited with the, the Blackstones a long time? All my life, sir. My father served the Blackstones and his father did too. Used to be a grand family way back. It's like not so grand, oh. not so grand. Man, it's this, so this obvious. The whole place sucks. Yeah, the whole place sucks. So the the corridor connects both of their estates. Yeah, but like I, I want like the way that they describe um, who's the who's the archaeologist, the professor Rand. Rand. Rule Rand. He, um, you know, he's this kind of like hip young bachelor guy. I feel like he's mm-hmm. he's a little poorer. His estate is always seen as like a little more shambly. Yeah, rundown vines coming out of it. So um, he's just interested in looting Indian. Graveyards. That's right. So he, yeah, he's just he's just a looter. He's not he's not still a you know unrepentant slave owner that still kind of owns slaves in the fifties. So they they hear somebody upstairs, like above the passageway or in the passageway, right. while they're talking to Grover. Presumably in Rand's in they're in Rand's mansion. Right? Yeah. So they chase him into Rand's actual mansion and like up the stairs into a up like a top floor build room. Yep. And then they get locked in that room. Yeah. They. Uh, they, they made the classic mistake of not turning around when they were walking places. Yeah, not well, ever they, keeping watch. They get locked in from both doors? They can't go through the one they just came from? Well, they run out of the basement passageway all the way upstairs into the this main house. Like Bayport. There's like no... Yeah, no logic to the geography. <laughs> then they run up into the top floor of the house mm-hmm. where the room that they run into, because they think that person ran into there, acts, the door closes behind them and locks. Oh, yeah. So they're locked <clears> in. <throat> and also, like, why did this room have locks on the outside? Uh, this is a plantation house. Oh, right. Okay. So they run into this room and they're locked in it and then realize, and then they realize that the person they were chasing duped them and is running away now. Right. Like they, there's like a, a kind of cut, like they, someone locked them in the room and they look out the window and they're like, there is someone leaving the house. And he's like with a piece of paper and it's like clearly Rand, right? But like, so it's, you're kind of led to believe that Rand might have locked them in the room, but it's like. A matter of seconds later that you see him leave the house. So there's clearly something different going on. Yeah, I do I do remember that Grover says, um, they're like, who knows about this passageway? And he's like, nobody does. Only the family members and all of the servants. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that sounds like a lot of people know about it. And everyone they've told. And everyone they've told and everyone that has, you know, visited this place. Since. Yeah, and been shown this as a cool uh, quirk. Okay. So oh, but Chet. Chet saves the day. Right. Chet's locked out. That's but, right. Uh, but let's check in with Bingo before we find out how Chet saves the day once again. Great. Um, all right. So what do we got? Uh, I've got – there's no secret codes yet, right? No. But I've got 
Mrs. Hardy left the house, presumably. Okay. I've got a ghost. The great. I've I have a ghost as well. Attempted murder. I have trespassing. Ooh. I have attempted murder. Great. Uh, boys left play Bayport. Sabotage. There's not going to be much, uh, much of a chance for respectful use of Spanish here. No. <laughs> uh, made of country. No. Yeah. This is. Um, I feel like a lot of the international. Right. Adventures. Get... Yeah. I've got a. I've got one that I'm I'm really going I would all need, in on. I know that I'm going to need um, a horse chase or a, <laughs> or a submarine to get a bingo oh, I'll get here. The submarine one too. And that's not uh, that's not happening. Well, I don't think. technically, a sinking boat is technically a submarine. I don't think you know we're we don't really allow people to <laughs> bend the rules for. Uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that would be a shipwreck, which is another. Uh, Hi, everybody. This is your Hardy Boys drink book producer, uh, Jack Webb. So talking to one of our former hosts of the show, Kristen Hallstrom. How you doing? I'm doing quite well. Thank you for oh, asking, Jack. Oh, good, good. I'm glad to hear that. Do you have any, like, specific memories from from your the reading the book or doing the podcast? Yeah. Um, so having listened to episodes before and then doing an episode... Um, I was, and he commented on this too, how much slower moving Nancy Drew books are compared to the Hardy Boys. Yeah. A lot less happens, and she spends more time describing things like, uh, you know, what she's wearing, etc., that Hardy Boys wouldn't give a second thought to. Um, so I, I feel like it might have actually been more fun to just do a Hardy Boys book and not have done the second Nancy Drew, but you know what? It was fun regardless. And I would do it again. Yeah. Yeah. So you think if you came back, you would want to do I a Hardy just Boys. A straight up Hardy Boys. Rather than the Nancy Drew Yeah, it, she was just a little bit slower moving. What do you hope happens for the podcast in the future? Um, I, I guess I kind of hope he finds a more exciting Nancy Drew book to do. Because, I mean, I think it, it's a good idea. Um, yeah, I would say that's my so hope. So we're, we're hoping that our, our <laughs> hopes for the future is that Nancy Drew gets more exciting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Kristen, thank you so much for joining me. You're welcome. Okay, Mitch, what do you remember about the Hardy Boys book that you read? Uh, I remember that the Hardy Boys could swim faster than a boat. Yes. That uh, there was there was a counterfeiting ring, but it was happening near the way more interesting plot of um, they were making rocket, like, spaceship lasers. In an old... Is this the old In mill? In an old mill, In an yes. old mill. Yes, I the remember. the ideal place to manufacture space lasers. I remember a complicated, uh, like, water wheel slash yes. trap thing. Mm-hmm. I don't remember much more than that, but that was complicated. I also remember every time they got stuck, a clue fell out of the sky, one time literally, <laughs> and no, attached to an arrow... Landed in the ground. Yeah, I remember they got shot at with arrows while they were having a picnic, right? Yes. Their girlfriends did? Yep. Okay. And I remember that they found a, a bike pedal that luck would have it oh, was a very Christ, rare imported bike about. pedal that only one person in the town they had a bike. They only make these in Finland. Um, okay, that's great. Did you listen to your episode? Yes. Okay. Did you listen to any other episodes? No. That's okay. I listened to yeah. part of another one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, once you've read a Hardy Boys book, I think you kind of get the uh, the feel of it. Did it inspire you to read any more Hardy Boys books? No. Yeah, me either, <laughs> but I keep having to. All right, well, thanks, Mitch. <laughs>
Uh, I'm sitting with uh, Kelleen Wells, who was a guest on our show for, uh, do you remember the name or number of your episode? Oh, boy. Seven? Episode seven? Thirteen? Thirteen. Well, I don't know. know. It's all all a blur to me. But uh, welcome. We're at a birthday celebration for Charles and I, and a celebration of a year of the Hardy Boys. Yay! Happy birthday! Well, thank you very much. Uh, it's uh, it's been a great year. So we're kind of doing a little bit of a recap. So uh, do you? I guess tell me, do you remember anything at all about the book you read or the episode that you were on? I remember that I did not bring enough beer. Oh, to the taping. Oh, you ran out of booze and you felt like you needed more to get through the story? Definitely. Okay. Lots more. Yeah. And do you remember any like plot points from the book or I anything do. like that? I do. I remember that poor Chet had to roll around town all by himself with a pocket full of oh, lettuce. He, no, he had the watercress. Yeah. Was it watercress yeah. in that one? That I he, yeah. think so. Yeah. And also he ate an entire cake by himself over the course of a chapter. <laughs> Oh shit! Poor guy. Oh shit! Um, uh, did you did you listen to your episode when it came out? And I did. And what was your thoughts about like hearing yourself on it and any of that? What did you think? About right. It? So I was in London when it came out. Oh. And so I had a day to myself. So I was wandering around the Tower of London, listening to my own episode, which was very bizarre. And the only thing I can really remember is thinking. I sound adorable. Oh well, you do sound adorable. Yeah, Thanks. yeah. You got a you got a cute voice. Right. Yeah. Which does not help me in my actual day to day job, but it helps me on radio. Yeah, that's that's very true. That's, so if you need a secondary job, you always got to fall back <laughs> in radio. The lucrative. Yeah, the very lucrative <laughs> and uh, an up and coming field. Yeah. Of radio. <laughs> The Hardy Boys Drink Book Podcast is produced by Jack and Charles Wefso. It is a part of their network. Our music is provided by Danny Overby at Round 2 Productions, and our graphic design is done by Kristen Hallstrom. Special thanks to Patrick Sullivan for being on the show, and to Lowry Beergarden. Also, special thanks to all of our wonderful past hosts over this last year. It's been a lot of fun. Keep checking back and enjoy the next year of the Hardy Boys Drink Book Podcast. And join us next time for part two of the Hardy Boys Drink Book number 14, The Hidden Harbor Mystery, featuring Patrick Sullivan.